Amen. You can be seated. Today I want to do an introduction for our uh, new sermon series, the small group study, the 40 Days in the Word. Our goal is to help you love God's Word, learn God's Word, and live God's Word uh, like you never have before. Uh, four components to what we're doing this fall. There's a weekly sermon, a uh, weekly small group study, a uh, weekly memory verse, and the daily devotional. And over the next six weeks, I and the other pastors on staff, Pastor Tommy, uh, Pastor Don, Pastor Andrew, are going to be teaching uh, these lessons on the Bible. And uh, first, next week, we're going to talk about the inspiration of the Bible. How do I know the Bible is true? Well, it's inspiration. Uh, week two will be the foundation of the Bible. Uh, what's the overarching theme and purpose of the Bible? You know, the Bible is not just one book. The Bible is actually a library of 66 books. But all 66 books have the same theme. They all point to the same thing. Well, what is that? Uh, week three, we're going to look at the illumination of the Bible. How does God illumine my mind so that I see in the Scripture what God wants me to see? And you've probably experienced this in your life. You can read a verse over and over and over, and you know you just kind of read the verse, and then one day you read it, and all of a sudden, boom! It's like, whoa! This, I get this. That's illumination. Uh, week number four, we're going to look at interpretation. Now, how do I know uh, what this verse truly means? You know, a lot of times people say, "Well, that's just your interpretation of that verse," as if we all get to develop our own personal interpretation of the Bible. But there's a correct way and an incorrect way to interpret the Bible. And if you correct the Bible, uh, interpret the Bible correctly, then you get what God wants you to get. If you interpret it incorrectly, then you come up with just what you think. Now, then we're going to look at the integration of the Bible. Uh, how do I integrate the Bible into every area of my life? My work life, my family life, my thought life, my finances. And then we'll look at the application of the Bible. Uh, how to use the Bible to make good decisions, how to use it to overcome temptation, how to use it to, to counsel a friend. So this is going to be a, a great series. But the sermon series is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, the next component in the 40 Days in the Word is going to be the 40 Daily Devotionals. And we're taking a giant leap here. We're going high-tech with the devotionals this time. And we're going to encourage each of you to go to a website called 40daysintheword.com and register online, and every day you will receive the devotionals, either as a text or in an email, and you can actually uh, uh, click a link and watch a video every day and have a daily devotional by some of the top Bible teachers in the nation. So we're excited about that high-tech leap. Uh, the third component is what I think is going to be the most important, and that's going to be the small group study. Uh, we're going to teach you in the small groups how to study the Bible for yourself. You don't need to be dependent on other people to feed you spiritually. And we're going to learn together the devotional method of Bible study. It's a very simple method. doesn't require any Bible study tools. You don't have to buy a dictionary or concordance or encyclopedia or anything. Uh, anybody can do this devotional method. Uh, we're going to teach you how to meditate uh, on the Scripture. And so if you're not in a small group yet, this would be the weekend for you to sign up and get plugged in. Pick up your workbook today after the service and uh, be ready to go. Uh, the fourth component is going to be a weekly Bible memory verse. And we're actually going to work together to memorize uh, six verses as we go through uh, this campaign. But the goal of all of this is to help you to build your life on the Bible. 
Jesus in, in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, as, as he's closing out the sermon, he tells the story about two guys who built two houses on two different types of foundations. Uh, one guy built his house on a foundation of solid rock. The other guy built his house on a foundation of shifting sand. And then the wind, the winds, the winds came, the rains came, and the floods came, and the house that was built on shifting sand collapsed. But the house that was built on solid rock was able to withstand the storms of life. Matthew seven twenty four. Jesus said, "Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like that wise man who built his house on the rock." Now I don't know if you've picked up on this or not. Uh, uh, I have. But we live in a very uncertain time. Anybody else feeling any of that? The, the future is just a little bit uncertain. But there are some things about the future that are certain. And I can tell you today, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that storms are going to come into your life. I mean, you, you have storms in your future. You have emotional storms, health storms, financial storms, family storms. I mean, there are storms coming into your life. And if your life is not built on solid rock, then your life will crumble. It's, it's just a, a hard fact. You cannot build your life on the opinion of other people. You cannot build your life on the foundation of popular culture. You must build it on unchanging truth that is found in God's Word. So how do I build my life on the Bible? We're going to look at that today. I'm actually going to spend some time in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. First, if I'm going to build my life on the Bible, I must receive it with my ears, hearing the Word of God. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. You know, every time you hear a message from God's Word, uh, whether it's, it's here right now, or maybe it's on the radio or on TV, anytime you hear somebody teaching God's Word, your faith is being built. That's what's happening right here, right now. Your faith is being built as you hear this message from God's Word. Faith comes by hearing the message. Now, James 1.19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen. Circle that phrase, quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept, circle the word accept, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. You know, it is hearing the word of God, hearing the good news about Christ that saves us. So he says, you must be quick to listen. That's using my ears to receive God's word. And accept the word. But to accept the word in the Greek there, that's actually a hospitality term that means to welcome a stranger into your life. You take the risk to welcome a stranger in. Uh, James is saying we need to take the risk and welcome the word of God into our lives. You've got to start with an attitude of acceptance. He says the word that is planted in you, like a seed is planted into the soil of your heart. Now, those of you who are gardeners, you know that you can take seed and you can plant the same seed in three different locations and get three totally different results. 
You can take the seed in a packet, and, and you can plant some seed here, and you'll get great big giant tomatoes. You plant other seed over here, and you get medium-sized tomatoes. You plant some seed over here, and you got no tomatoes. What's the difference? It's the same seed in all three locations. The difference is the soil. The difference is the receptivity to the seed. Uh, the soil's got to be prepared for the seed. You've got to break it up. You've got to mulch it. You've got to put some miracle grow on it. Uh, the soil has to be prepared. The same is true for you. Your, your heart, your life has to be prepared to accept the Word of God. Now, many of you, you know how this goes. You know, you got, your alarm didn't go off this morning. You got up late. You're driving over here. You know, you had to honk the horn 40 times to get everybody into the car to get over here. Uh, they were real pleased with that. And, uh, you know, the kids are fighting in the back seat, and you hit the construction down here, and everybody's coffee spills, and you come chugging in here, and you're irritated and frantic, and you are not ready to receive the Word of God. You know, you can take uh, two people, and you can sit them side by side in a church service. And when the service is over, one of them goes, man, that was absolutely amazing. And the other one says, I didn't get anything out of that. What's the difference? It's the same seed, same service, same song, same sermon. It's the heart attitude that makes the difference. Now, the Bible says that we need to have four attitudes as we come to hear God's Word. First, I must be quiet. To hear God speak to me, I've got to be quiet. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Because when I'm talking, I'm not listening. When I'm talking, I'm not listening. So you've got to, if you're going to hear God, you've got to be quiet. Next, I must be calm. Now, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why is anger put into, the, in, into this process? Why does it hold such a prominent place here? Because you don't hear much when you're angry. When you're upset, when, when you're uh, uh, emotionally distraught, you, you don't hear. You don't hear what somebody else is trying to say when you're irritated and angry and uptight. But when you're emotionally relaxed, calm, and quiet, then you can really hear what the other person is saying. Same thing's true with getting into the Bible. You've got to be quiet and calm to let God speak to you from His Word. If you come to God's Word angry and resentful and upset, it's hard to hear God. If you're frantic and going 100 miles an hour, it's hard to hear from God. That's why God says, be still and know that I am God. Do you know that listening actually lowers your blood pressure and talking raises your blood pressure? Right now, your blood pressure is lower than my blood pressure because you're listening and I'm talking. Uh, I need to be calm. I need to be quiet. Next thing, I need to be clean. I can't have sin piled up in my life and expect to hear God speak to me. James says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And before you go out and plant seed, you just don't go out and willy-nilly spread seed on the ground. You've got to go out and, and prepare the soil. You've got to uh, remove the rocks out of it. You've got to break up the clods. You've got to pull out the weeds. You've got to remove any junk that's out of it. You, know, you want good, clean, receptive soil. James says, get rid of the filth in your life that keeps you from being able to hear God. Now, it's interesting that the word for filth that he uses here is the word riparian, and that's the Greek word for earwax. I mean, how cool is that? You know, it's the stuff on the end of a Q-tip. I almost brought one today just as an object lesson, 
but you've all seen it, okay? But I can't hear God if I've got filth in my ear. If I've got emotional, spiritual, mental, ethical earwax, I, I can't hear God speaking to my life until I get the filth out of my life. He says, get rid of evil. Well, evil is anything that I'm doing that I know is the wrong thing to do. You know, any sin, any rebellion, any selfishness. God says, if you're going to hear from me, you've got to get rid of that. Well, how do I get rid of those things? How do I take out the garbage in my life, the emotional, spiritual garbage? You know, you've got to clean that stuff out. Pornography, the, the uh, resentment, the anger, the, just the junk that's in your life. You've got to deal with that or you can't hear from God. Well, the way you take care of that is through confession. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, if we agree with God, God, yes, this is the evil, this is the filth in my life, I want to get rid of this. If we confess it to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I've got to be clean if I want to hear from God. I've got to fess up to my sin. Fourth thing, I need to be humble. Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. You know, to humbly means I'm ready to hear whatever God wants to say to me. You know, if I come to the Scripture with a prideful attitude, well, God, let's hear what you've got to say, and then I'll decide if I'm going to do it or not. God, you speak to me and tell me, you know, what's going on, and then I'll see if I agree with that. That's just not going to work. That's a prideful attitude. A humble attitude says, God, whatever you tell me to do, that's what I want to do. God, I want to know what you want me to do. I humbly accept your word. I got to uh, hear it with my ears. A uh, second way to build my life on the Bible is I read it with my eyes. It comes in through the ear gate. It comes in through the eye gate. Uh, James one twenty two. Don't merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Says he looks in the mirror, and then he just goes away, and he doesn't do anything about his appearance. Now, that can happen right here. And you can come to church, you can hear a message, and then you leave, and by the time you get to the stop sign down at the end of the street, you've forgotten what it was all about. Here's the opposite. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Notice here we've gone from just hearing it to looking intently. Now it's the eye gate. We haven't just heard it. Now we're reading it. Looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. You know, it's the opposite of just looking in the mirror and walking off. You're looking intently into the Word. You continue to do it. You don't forget it. You remember to do it, and you're blessed. So let's take a little closer look at these. A number of things going on here. First, he says, the man who looks intently. Now, that's one of the ways that you get blessed, is by reading the Bible. And then he says, continues to do this. A circle of the word continues. Uh, that's reviewing the Bible. Don't just look at it once and then you're done. You review it. Not forgetting what he's heard. That's remembering the Bible. You're not forgetting, but doing it. That's responding to the Bible. That person will be blessed in what they do. 
Now, he says you've got to look intently. There he's talking about reading the Bible. But I, I'm not speed reading the Bible. I'm not reading for distance. I'm reading for depth. I look intently. I ponder. I reflect. I think about what it says. He says the person who does this says it's like looking in a mirror. Now, what's the purpose of a mirror? The purpose of a mirror is self-evaluation. You know, the, the only way you will ever see your own face is in the reflection in a mirror. You'll never see your own face with your eyes. It's physically impossible. The only way you see your face is by looking at the reflection in a mirror. So the mirror's purpose is self-evaluation. And every one of you today, when you woke up, uh, you, you paused and looked in the mirror, and the purpose was to assess the damage that had been done the night before. Okay? And so you looked in the mirror, and you decided to run a comb or brush through your hair and to wash your face, or maybe you just said, forget it, I'm going to put on a hat, uh, whatever. Maybe you put on some makeup. And sometimes people ask, Pastor, is makeup a sin? And the answer is no. Makeup is not a sin. Makeup is a gift from God. Okay? How many of you would say, thank you, God, for makeup? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Any old barn looks better with a little paint on it. Okay? Oh, now do not write me. Okay? That was a joke. You may not have liked it, but it was just a joke. You know? I said that one a few years ago, and I got email and letter and, you know, just paint a smile on your face and be happy. Okay? Lighten up. You know, the first Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth during Shakespeare's days, as she got older, she didn't like what was happening to her appearance, and so she had all the mirrors removed uh, from Buckingham Palace because she didn't want to see herself and see what was happening. She didn't want to do that self-evaluation. Uh, many of you remember Happy Days and Fonzie, you know, Fonzie would look in a mirror and, <laughs> you know, there's nothing to do. Well, the truth is he was just glancing in the mirror. Because there's two ways to look in the mirror. One is to just glance, and the other one is to gaze intently in the mirror and do a real serious self-evaluation. God says, don't just glance in here. Gaze into this mirror. Find out what life change you need to make and make it. And so during 40 Days in the Word, we're going to give you a Bible reading plan that will help you to systematically read for depth. Not distance, but for depth, to gaze into the Word. Third thing I do if I build my life on the Bible, I research it with my hands and my mouth. Now, is there a difference between Bible reading and Bible study? Yes. You know, reading the Bible is reading the Bible. It doesn't become Bible study until you sit down with a pen and a paper and start to take notes and write things down. In fact, there's two components to Bible study. One of them is writing it down, and the other one is talking about it with somebody else. Because thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and the fingertips. And that's when it becomes study. Uh, John 5.39, Jesus says, you search the Scriptures. Circle that word, search. You know, he's talking about research. You search the Scriptures because you believe they will give you eternal life. And the Scriptures point to me. Acts 17, Luke talks about a group of people, a group of believers in the city of Berea. It says the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Now notice what these open-minded people did. It says they searched the Scriptures day after day 
to check up on Paul and Silas to see if they were really teaching the truth. You know, they didn't just hear the message. They, they did some research. Uh, they're, they're searching the Scriptures. They're reading. They're studying. They're writing it down. They're talking about it together. They're researching with their hands and with their mouth. Fourth way to build my life on the Bible. I review and I remember with my mind. I review the Word of God and I remember the Word of God with my mind. The man who looks intently, that's reading, into the perfect law and continues to do this. That's reviewing. Not forgetting what he's heard. That's remembering. He will be blessed in what he does. You know, if you're going to be blessed, you've got to learn how to review and remember the Word of God. Now, the Bible word for reviewing and remembering Scripture is the word for meditation. Meditation. And, and we're going to teach you how to meditate on God's Word. Now, one of the reasons why this is important is because when you're tempted, you don't always have a Bible right there with you. You know, when you're under stress or you've got to make a life decision, you don't always have a Bible right there open to the reference that you need. So you need to hide God's Word in your heart, hide God's Word in your mind, so you can review it and remember it when you need it. Now, you may say, and, and I would tell you this, I, I have a terrible memory. I can't remember anything. But folks, the reality is memory is a skill. Memory is a skill that can be improved and developed. In fact, study after study has shown that Scripture memory will improve your memory in every other area of your life. Memorizing Scripture will help you to improve your memory in every other area of your life. So we're going to teach you some simple ways to improve your memory as we work to memorize one verse of Scripture each week. Now, Joshua 1.8 tells us why this is so important. It says, Do not let this book of the law, that's the Bible, do not let the, the book of the law depart from your mouth. That means you talk about it. It's part of It informs your speech every day. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be, underline this, prosperous and successful. The key to being prosperous and successful in this life and the next is to keep God's Word in your life, to meditate on it day and night, and to do what it says. Now, in the small group, you're going to learn six ways to meditate on Scripture because it is so crucial. Now, number five, one more way that I build my life on the Bible. I respond to it with my actions. I do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I turn it into action. Now, how do we deceive ourselves? Well, we deceive ourselves when we think we've heard something, but then we don't do it. And your believers do that to themselves all the time. They think, oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I know that. But then they don't do it. I mean, I, I could teach you about how to be a great father, but if you don't do anything of the things that you hear, you're deceiving yourself. Oh, I heard it, so, you know, I think I'm a great dad, but I'm not doing it. You know, I could talk to you about, about how to to manage your finances in a, in a biblical way. And you know, oh, yeah, I heard that. But if you don't do it, you're deceiving yourself. You, know, you, you only believe the parts of the Bible that you actually do. And we are to be doers of the Word, not just hearers only. 
And lots of times, as, as believers, we hear message after message after message, but we just hear it. We don't do it. And we're deceiving ourselves into thinking that we're more spiritual than we really are. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, back to that, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, you come to church, listen to them, but you don't put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who has built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, I want you to notice in this story that the circumstances were exactly the same. The circumstances were exactly the same. You know, the circumstances that we face in life, they're all the same for all of us. I don't care where you are, red, yellow, black, and white, what part of the world you're on. Circumstances are all the same. Same core storms that come into everybody's life. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, whether you're a mature believer or an immature believer. Same circumstances. Why is it that some people's lives collapse and some people's lives stand firm? It's not because of different circumstances. It's because of different foundations. It's the foundation that makes the difference. I don't want your life to collapse. I mean, we know the storms are coming. But we don't want your life to collapse. We want it built on a rock-solid foundation. And the solid foundation for your life is not the opinion of other people. It's not what's popular on TV. It's not the prevailing culture. It's not what's coming out of our government. It's not even your own opinion or your own ideas or what you think. When I was a, a, a young student in Bible college, hadn't been a believer very long, and I went off to Bible college. And in fact, I remember this just the other day because the, this happened in a class where we were talking about the judgment seat of Christ. And in the last couple of weeks, I, I preached on that. And I remembered sitting in class uh, early on in the semester, and we were talking about this. And one day, I just started saying, well, this is what I think about this. This is what I believe about this. this is, I think God does this. I think God does that. I think, I think, I think, I think. And finally, the professor stopped, and he said, uh, Walter, it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what this says. He says, it matters that you think, but it matters what this says. And then he talked about the fact that for too many people, and even too many believers, we engage in modern-day idolatry. Modern-day idolatry is when we say, well, I think God should do this. I think God ought to do that. I think this is what it's going to be like. I think this is, what, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. I think God, I think this, I believe this, as if we get to create God after our own image by what we think. That's not how it works. That's modern-day idolatry. What we believe, what we think about God, what we believe, what we think about our lives must come from this book. This is the rock. This is the foundation. This is what will stabilize our life. Not what I think. How can you tell if your life is, is built on the solid rock of God's Word? How can you tell if your life is built on shifting sand? 
When you can tell if your life is built on shifting sand, when your life starts to shift, when it begins to crumble, when you are stressed out, when you're worried, when you're afraid, when you're beginning to stumble, and when life starts to fall apart all around you, it's time to look at your foundation. Because the sands are shifting and the house is tilting. We don't want that to happen to you here. And that's why we're going to invest the next six weeks in helping you to build your life on a rock-solid foundation that will stand when the storms come. Because, friends, they're coming. They're coming. And we want you to stand firm. Let's pray together. When I ask you just to pray a simple prayer with me right now, just say, God, I want to build my life on the rock, not on the sand. I want a solid foundation of truth. I want to build my life on the Bible. And so, God, I commit to, to the next 40 days to learning how to do these things. I want to receive your word with my ears. I want to read your word with my eyes. I want to research your word with my small group. I want to remember and review your word. I want to respond to your word and do what it says. Maybe you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart and life. I, I invite you just to open your heart, prepare that soil, say, God, I want you to come in. I want you to clean me up. Forgive me of all my sins. God, remove the filth and the evil from my life. Help me to receive the seed from your word that I might grow to become the type of person that you want me to be. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the firm foundation it can be for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.